Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. All right, it is Sunday. It's 18 October, time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And just uh, got a couple of people visiting today that came in last week, and they had a good day with them. Uh, Then they went fishing around Florida, and they got back yesterday. It's Brian and Pamela. They've come all, Bennington is their last name, and they've come all the way from Phoenix, Arizona. And yeah, and so he has now made the fourth police officer that we have in this building, which is a handful of people that attend, and uh, we've got four police officers, either retired or active duty here now. So we feel very safe and secure. Um, One of them is the uh, gentleman that came last week, and he's he's still here with his friends, and they came from Ohio, and he's a retired police, not a retired police officer, he was a police officer, and we've got a retired police officer here and one here. So we're all very safe with this, but he does something a little different than most police officers. He is a police officer pilot. He's the guy that takes the the thing and circles around the bad guys and points the spotlights at them, and he gets out his uh, 50 caliber and blows them away. uh, Anyway, it's wonderful to have you here. We're so glad that you made it, and uh, uh, real pleasure. I've known him for quite some time, but it's the first time I personally met him. So it's good to have you, Brian, and I see Pamela's not in here right now, so... uh, Anyway, it's good to have you. And uh, let's see here. We have our first category, as always, is Israel. And from all Israel, just the title, Israel Knesset ratifies historic Abraham Accords peace treaty with the United Arab Emirates. So it is done. It went through the um, committee and it passed unanimously. And then it went through the full Knesset and some of the Arabs did not vote for it, which is surprising, but they didn't. And so uh, it did pass, however. And then from JNS, cargo vessel bearing goods from the UAE arrives in Haifa port. So immediately they're starting to work on trade between the two of them. Eight containers of electronics, cleaning supplies, iron and firefighting equipment from the UAE were unloaded in the Haifa port making the first direct import of goods between the two countries. The cargo vessel carried the goods to Israel from Dubai's Jebel Ali port. A spokesman for MSC said the ship was part of its Indus Express service connecting the UAE with Indian ports, as well as others in the Mediterranean, SES, and the eastern coast of the United States. Haifa port chairman of the board, Eshel Armoni, called the development very exciting. This is a new era in the Middle East. According to Armoni, the MSC shipments will be regular thing from here on out. We'll be going to see this line once a week by MSC, and who knows, later on, maybe we'll have even more. I hope that will happen quickly. So trade is going on between them, and I think they must have planned it for the week of the Knesset passing this. It's just kind of a fun thing they did. From the Jerusalem Post, majority of Israelis prefer Donald Trump over Joe Biden. Yeah. A new poll conducted by the Direct Falls Research Institute found that 63.3% of Israelis prefer the re-election of incumbent President Trump compared to 18.8%. So there's some that just didn't give an opinion, but they prefer Biden. Some 50.9% of respondents saying that the election of Biden will harm future relations between the two countries. I will say that's a guarantee since Trump has a special relationship with the state of Israel. Israeli perspectives on American juries' voting patterns were also assessed in the poll. According to the poll, 48.2% of respondents think that American Jews' support for Democrats is R-O-N-G wrong. From uh, the Times of Israel, Israeli Orthodox rabbi, Judaism doesn't ban same-sex couples building families. Every time I see one of these, I try to report on it if I have space. It's because uh, it just shows you where they are. Just go read Ezekiel 36, 22, and you'll know where they still are and uh, how displeased the Lord is with this. But for right now, a prominent Israeli Orthodox rabbi said that Jewish law does not forbid LGBTQ LMNOP people from building a family. Rabbi Benny Lau made the statement as part of a series for the observant LGBTQ Jews and their families released under the heading, It is not good 
for man to be alone. Can you imagine saying that, a quote out of the Bible and equating it to this ideology? The guidelines seek to reconcile a desire to welcome LGBTQ Jews into Jewish communities within the constraints of religious law. According to Lau, Jewish law does not forbid members of the LGBTQ community from raising children and building a family, though he acknowledges that Jewish legal issues may arise for couples who use surrogacy or a sperm donor in order to have children. Lau also discouraged family members of LGBTQ Jews from encouraging conversion therapy, a debunked practice that seeks to change someone's sexual orientation. So he's not a proponent of you telling a homosexual that you can change from this form of life. The rabbi said those attracted to members of the same sex should not attempt to enter heterosexual marriage if they are repulsed by their partner. And he affirmed that LGBTQ couples and their children should be full members of the community and that their dignity should not be harmed. Like the modern Orthodox community in the United States, Israel's religious Zionist community has struggled in recent years with the tension between the Torah's prohibition on homosexual relationships and the increased acceptance of these people in the secular world. The guidelines are significant because of Lao's prominence and because a few Orthodox rabbis have been willing to speak out in favor of this type of nonsense and its acceptance. So I, I put that in there. I'm just tired of saying LGBTQ. It's just tedious. Um, yeah, it, they acknowledge that the Torah doesn't allow it, and then they say we're going to allow it. So it doesn't make any sense at all. From Wynette, Israel's oldest man passes away at age of 117. Wow. Yes, Shlomo Sliman, the oldest Israeli alive, passed away at age 117. Shlomo immigrated from Yemen to Israel with his wife and four children in 1949. He lived with his family in the central city of Netanya and after serving in the IDF, worked in agriculture. His wife died several years ago at age 94 and since then, Sliman has lived on his own. Despite his solitude, his grandson Gil Radia said he continued to live a modest life, going every day to synagogue. It was considered an expert on Jewish scripture. Now here's where I really put this article in here because of the last sentence, which just broke my heart. His mind was clear until his last moment. People would come and ask him questions about the faith and do exactly as he told them after he looked over the texts. That sounds just like the Jehovah's Witnesses to me. I'm going to go ask the elders, and whatever the elders say, that's what I'm going to do. You need to know Scripture for yourself. Amen. You need to know all of Scripture for yourself, and you need to read it every day of your life so you don't get told by somebody how to conduct your life and then live it. We just had an example of a rabbi that is telling people that it's okay to do exactly the opposite of what the Torah commands, yes. okay? So, and plus they completely reject all of the hints of the coming Messiah. They reject all of the prophecies of the coming Messiah, uh, which are fulfilled in Christ. I mean, they pick other ones that they say are some guy, dubious person that's coming in the future who will in fact be the Antichrist and they will call on him. But there you go with that. From Christian News, I got an email yesterday from Maureen and I hope I pronounce her last name right, Laubi. She finished all of the Genesis sermons, and she's very excited about them. She had a great time going through there, and I would suggest if you've never gone through them that you will learn all kinds of wonderful things about the coming Redeemer, all kinds of things about redemptive history, all kinds of things about dispensationalism, etc., etc. You watch those Genesis sermons, pick one a day and go through them. It'll take you about 130 days to go through, or you could do two a day, and but I, I would suggest that you do it because it really is a great book. And then I would assume, I don't think she said so, but I would assume that she's going to go on to Exodus next. And if not, then um, please email me and I'll send you a uh, wet noodle and you can whip yourself for not doing that. But I'm very happy to have uh, got that email yesterday. From Protestia, this really burns me. I, I know some people are going to get up and walk out and some people are going to turn off the Prophecy Update. I don't care. This burns me. I've never been a fan of this person for several reasons, but here it is. Televangelist Pat Robertson. I don't think most Christians are stupid enough to believe in creationism. Yeah, I, I, I really have a problem with this guy on a lot of issues, but this one really burns me. Longtime televangelist Pat Robertson took to the airways on his program, The 700 Club, to question asking why his show promoted old earth theory rather than biblical viewpoint that is shared by most Christians. 
Robertson, whose advice tends to fluctuate between the passable to the unbiblical ramblings of a, and they call him a decrepit old man, which is not necessary, but this is their article. He responded, I don't think most Christians are stupid enough to believe that other theory, which is the Usher theory, okay? If you know who Usher is, he did the book, The Annals of the History of the World. Anyway, that other, the other is the Usher theory. If you added all the generations from Adam until the current time, and you say, all right, that adds up to 7,000. Well, it doesn't. It adds up to 6,000, but we'll leave it at that for now. Okay, and so, therefore, the earth is only 7,000 years old. No, it's not. It's 6,000 years old, okay? But he got that wrong as well. Um, Well, that's just nonsense, he says. I mean, there are just too many geological factors, too many things that have happened on our earth. You know what? If you're willing to check, if you're willing to say, I could be wrong in this because I had to do it. I grew up here in Sarasota, Florida. I went to public education here and I believed in evolution. That was one of the toughest things for me to get out of was believing what I had been told. You want to know? Watch Answers in Genesis. Is Genesis History is another one. You can watch those and they have all kinds of videos, very short ones. They've got long ones and you will see the evidence. You will see a different angle than you may have seen otherwise if you grew up in evolution. Yes, a scientific angle. But um, just so you know, what he is saying here is not scholarly at all. So we'll go on with it. Um, I mean, there are just too many geological factors, too many things that have happened on our Earth. The Earth is about 14 billion years old. And guess what? That's a theory as well. They can't prove that. So, And there's just no question about it. You've got the dinosaurs. Well, guess what? This book in the book of Job shows you the dinosaurs. They're right in there, okay? Further, you don't need to go to the Bible to see this. You can go to Angkor Wat over in Cambodia, and they have etchings, stone etchings, that clearly show the the one with the stegosaurus. Very clear. There's no other animal on this planet that will uh, be represented by it. Just type it in, stegosaurus at Angkor Wat. They had to have seen that right there, and they made a picture of it. And you'll see this all over throughout the world if you are willing to open your eyes. So what he is saying is nonsense. You've got all the things that have happened on this earth, and there's just too much geology. I mean, it's just established science. So the idea of having a six to 7,000-year-old earth is just, it's just any Christians who believe that, just I'm telling you that they aren't very up on today's, I believe, science. I mean, let's face it, you know God didn't the whole planet was set up for God's purpose. He can't even speak. He's just, you know, kind of rambling. The universe is tuned for life, but it didn't get here in six or 7,000 years. It got here over, well, almost 14 billion years to get this earth to where we are right now. That just burns me up. It's diminishing the Word of God. This is the Word of God, and nobody... Nobody until the 1800s believed in this nonsense. It was starting to come into play maybe in the 1700s, but Christians held fast to the Bible, and eventually I think it was a Presbyterian minister that came up with um, the uh, gap theory to provide evidence to justify what Darwin had come up with. And why did he do it? Because he was scared to look like a dummy. I don't want to be the odd man out, and so he made up all of this terrible theology, but this book gives no other option, no other option than a short-term creation. It does not give the option. So either you accept this word by faith or you have a real serious problem with your theology, and that is all there is to it. They've thrown away the flood. Yeah, they've thrown away the flood. They've thrown away everything before the flood, and they've even thrown away up to the Tower of Babel, and it's disgraceful. Okay, another article from Protestia. Barna Paul, 40% of Christian evangelicals are pretty much a bunch of socialist pro-choice pagans. This is what their poll showed them. Barna recently released another survey for self-described evangelicals, and it has confirmed what all the other polls have said, just with rapidly heightening percentages. Results reveal that nearly half of evangelicals are pretty much a ragtag bunch of biblically illiterate, confused socialist, sexually progressive weirdo pagans. Now, these are their words. I know it's a little strong, but they are giving their analysis, and I thought I'd go with it. The most startling realization regarding the theological reformation in progress is how many people from evangelical churches are adopting unbiblical beliefs. What makes that trend so significant is that evangelical churches, by definition, teach that the Bible is the authoritative Word of God that teaches not only salvation by grace alone, but also an array of life principles that are meant to drive one's thoughts and actions. Several polling results found that apply specifically to American evangelicals. 
a term that is not loosely defined, but rather must meet nine different criteria. Reveal, 48% believe a person who is good enough or does enough works can earn eternal salvation. Yeah, so you can get it apart from the blood of Jesus Christ is what they're saying. It's all about me. I will earn my way to heaven. 44% do not believe that history is the unfolding narrative of God's reality. 44% claim the Bible is ambiguous in his teaching about abortion. 43% maintain that when Jesus was on earth, he sinned. Now imagine that. I imagine Jesus having sinned. How can he be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world if he has sinned? I, I honestly don't think that you can be saved if you believe that type of theology. I, I don't believe you can. If you believe Jesus sinned, you have believed a false gospel, and yes. thus it is it's anathema according to uh, Paul in Galatians 1 but we'll go on let's see here 42% seek moral guidance primarily from sources other than the Bible 42% do not identify and confess their sins on a daily basis well that one nothing in the Bible says you have to it does say if you confess confess your sins and blah 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 and I'm not going to get into a long talk about that right now but your sins are between you and the Lord he knows you've committed them you should probably confess them if you don't they're under the blood if you are a saved believer, but the, the idea of confessing your sins is one of fellowship. It's restored fellowship with God. How often you do that, I'll leave that up to you. I, I would suggest daily, but he's taking something and he's, he's elevating it to something that's not in Scripture. Okay, so he goes on. Let's see here. Um, 40% accept lying as morally acceptable if it advances personal interests or protects one's reputation. <laughs> Yeah, 36% prefer socialism to capitalism. 36% socialism to capitalism. 34% reject the idea of legitimate marriage as one man and one woman. 34% argue that abortion is morally acceptable if it spares the mother from financial or emotional discomfort or hardship. The results certainly do not reflect favorably on the churches that these people attend. Barna said it nicely if the views of the people attending our Christian churches these days are any indication, we need to redirect our efforts for greater impact. Half the people in this poll are unregenerate pagans and have a false assurance of salvation. Well, that's his words, and I hear some amens, but I would argue against that. If you are saved, you are saved, you are saved. That is all there is to it. If you have believed the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, Paul says that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, and it is a done deal. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Go read it. If you've believed that, if you've uh, accepted it in your heart, as Paul says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, you're saved. And the moment you do that, the moment God seals you with his Holy Spirit. Okay, that's Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Go read all those verses. And God does not make mistakes. He is incapable of making an error. He sees the end from the beginning. If he seals you, he will never take that back because if he takes it back, it means that he made a mistake. And further, Paul calls that an ervon in the Greek, a guarantee, okay? If God were to take that back because it was something that you did, meaning that your salvation is conditional on you, then it was not a good guarantee and that is not the God of the Bible. So get your theology straight, especially in something like that. But I do agree, a lot of these people have a false assurance of salvation. I agree with that. But they what? Anyone they're talking to is not going to be saved if they're believing a false gospel. But if you have believed the true gospel, you are saved. So I want to make that qualifier. They're part of seeker-sensitive churches that don't teach the whole counsel of God. I would say they don't teach much of the Word of God, but led by emasculated betrayers of Christ who just as soon preach on self-help and trivialities than mercilessly tortured Christ who was murdered on a cross because of mercilessly foul sins, slitting the throats of their sheep with bad teaching and then juggling their heads to entertain the goats. So he's very direct. He's, you know, you can see his theology is off a little bit and he's a little bit of a finger pointer, which I don't like. I, I would rather lead somebody to proper doctrine than simply say, but that's okay. It was a good article and I went with it. Okay. Instead of Islam, I'm calling this Mideast Africa until Islam starts doing all the things that they did in France this past week um, on a regular scale. We'll just direct it more to Mideast and Africa from the times of Israel. Lebanon fires cause mine detonations along the Israeli border. 
The fires are so hot that they're causing the mines in these minefields between the two countries to explode. I would love to have been there and watched that. That would be very cool. Um, from Yahoo, Turkey transports S-400 air defense system for Black Sea tests. Now, this is one of the things that if they started up their uh, S-400 system, which they received a little more than a year ago, they are out as far as the F-50 or the, yeah, whatever, the f F-35, thank you, the F-35 fighters, they are out. Okay, so they did not light them up, and because they didn't, there was still a chance of them returning them to the Soviet Union. But it says here that they transported them to the Black Sea for tests. This is at the beginning of the week. The Turkish military transported its first batch of the Russian-made S-400 to the Black Sea port of Sinop, where the country plans to test the long-range air defense system capabilities. The S-400 will be tested at the Sinop test field, and the civil aviation authorities have banned all flights between Sinop and Unyam, east of the test field, at an altitude of less than 25,000 feet. I wouldn't want to fly over it at a higher altitude if they're shooting us off. Officials report the S-400 will be fired eastward during the tests. Turkey agreed to the $2.5 billion S-400 acquisition at the end of 2017. It said it would activate the system in April 2020, which they did not because of our pressure. Under pressure from its NATO allies, most notably the U.S., Turkey silently postponed the activation process, citing the COVID-19 pandemic. Since the S-400 purchase, Washington has suspended Turkish partnership in the American-led multinational joint strike fighter program that builds the F-35 fighter jet. The U.S. also threatened to sanction Turkey if it activated the air defense system. Next article, Zero Hedge. Turkish Lira hits fresh record low as S-400 test commences on Black Sea. Throughout the whole S-400 and F-35 diplomatic saga and standoff of 2019, which took U.S.-Turkey relations to an all-time low, compounded by Turkey's attacks on Syrian Kurds, which were being supported by U.S. troops in northern Syria, Ankara did not blink. This even as Washington offered the Patriot system as an alternative to Russian air defenses. Meanwhile, since last week, the Turkish lira has continued weakening to new record lows on geopolitical worries. Regional pressures also included the renewed heightened tensions with Greece and the EU over Turkey's hydrocarbons exploration activity in the eastern Mediterranean, which we've been reporting on, and Turkey's increasingly vocal support to Azerbaijan as it clashes with Armenia in Nagorno-Karabakh. Okay, so the Turks say they're going to light off this S-400. Their lira is going down. We're imposing more sanctions on them. If they do it, they're not going to be a part of the F-35 program, and that means that they are almost completely departing from NATO and joining in with Russia. Okay, everybody see that? Because that's exactly what the Bible said would happen how many? 2,600 years ago. Next article, Zero Hedge. Turkey fires S-400 missiles from Black Sea Coast in first test. They've done it it is over. Turkey has initiated its Russian-made S-400 defense system tests, as confirmed in local video circulating and confirmed by Reuters. So you can see the departure is going more and more and more. They will be partnering more with Russia. We're, they're not getting any more of our, our military goods. I don't know when, but I would assume the Interlink Air Force Base or Air Base is going to be uh, out soon because we just can't leave our you know, heavy bombers and stuff there if they are doing this. But that is over. We'll see where it goes from there. Yahoo. Egypt's president signed strategic maritime deal with Greece because of Turkey. Now they're aligning with Greece, who's right across the med from them. Egypt's president ratified. And guess what? Egypt is not coming against Israel and Gog Magog. Egypt's president ratified a maritime deal setting its Mediterranean Sea boundary with Greece and demarcating an exclusive economic zone for oil and gas drilling rights. The state-run news agency reported in a move that has angered Turkey. The bilateral agreement is widely seen as a response to a rival deal between Turkey and Libya's Tripoli-based government despite tensions in the East Mediterranean region, which I reported on a couple months ago. Along with Turkey's disputed oil and gas exploration in the seawaters, which we reported on over the past month and a half. The ratification came over two months after the Egyptian and Greek foreign ministers signed the deal in Cairo. The Egypt-Greece deal establishes partial demarcation of the sea boundaries between the two countries and that the remaining demarcation would be achieved through consultations. 
The Ankara Tripoli maritime deal was dismissed by the governments of Egypt, Cyprus, and Greece as infringing on their economic rights in the gas-rich Mediterranean Sea. Turkish President Erdogan called the Egypt-Greece agreement worthless, vowing to keep his disputed pact with the Tripoli government in place. So there you go. Libya, who is working with Turkey and doing this other agreement over the Mediterranean is coming against Israel and Gog Magog. You can see how all these points every week get more and more and more solidified. It is astonishing to see. Zero Hedge. In major escalation, here it is, Turkey renews gas exploration off Greece, vows military escort. So we have this going on. We have, they had stopped doing it, and now they're doing it again, and there's all of this heightened tension because of it. In late September into early this month, for a brief moment, it looked as if the Turkey-Greece East Med dispute over Turkish hydrocarbons exploration was cooling, given intense diplomatic contacts and negotiations among the major players, which includes Cyprus and the EU. This after, in August and earlier last month, the rival sides conducted increased war games which threatened at any moment to become live fighting. But now this momentary calm has been shattered as Turkey's navy issued a public advisory saying it will sail the Oryk Reis survey ship to conduct exploration activities just off Greece's easternmost island of Castellorizo. Predictably, Athens was swift to condemn the move as a major escalation and a direct threat to peace and security in the region, according to a foreign ministry statement. Like in prior instances of Turkish oil and gas vessels being sent into Greek and Cypriot waters, widely recognized internationally as their exclusive economic zones, Ankara has vowed a military escort could be present if support and protection are necessary. France's Macron has been at the forefront of European condemnations of Turkish actions, even sending French fighter jets and frigates to join in military drills with Greece of late. However, the whole conflict has been embarrassing for NATO, given its second largest military is now being opposed by other NATO members, meaning Turkey is part of NATO still, and this is a real problem for them. From the Jerusalem Post, Palestinian Prime Minister, God help us if... Trump wins. The U.S. voting President Trump out of office is critical to the Palestinians. Palestinian Authority Prime Minister Shateh told the European Parliament's Foreign Affairs Committee, the election is very important. God help us, the EU, and the whole world if there are four more years of Trump, he said. Shateh spoke out against Trump's peace plan presented earlier this year. Trump has wasted four years of everyone's time, he said. The ultimate deal was not delivered. Trump's plan was rejected by the Palestinians, the Arabs, and Europe. The U.S. is just too biased. The Palestinian Authority Prime Minister lamented Trump's unilateral measures, such as moving the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. So you can see that he is the one thing on this planet right now that is holding back the insanity which is going to come. Okay, the Lord raised up Donald Trump, and it may be time to take him out and have the world devolve, or it may be four more years. I don't know. I, at this point, who can even tell? But we can see that the whole world will be happy if he is gone, and if he stays, it will be America and a couple of countries against the whole world. We'll just see where it goes. But if the other guy wins, we will be in the back pocket of so many countries because they already have the goods on Biden. They already have it. And so, and then when he kicks the bucket, which probably won't be very long away, then we'll have uh, Kamala Lama Ding Dong running us. And, you know, I, I just don't know. We'll see where it all goes. But all right. From Mongolia, from Xinhua. Mongolia's capital will buy 200 school buses to ease traffic and boost safety. Hey, you know what happened this week? Uh, one of the people that I know, she emailed me and she said, um, we had a missionary from Mongolia that was visiting and I want to hook him up with you. Is that okay? And I said, yeah. So the guy emailed me and maybe he'll come to, you know, the superior word sometime. I haven't heard back from him since I emailed him yesterday, but if he wants to come down, we can introduce you to a real Mongolian missionary. Yeah, okay, well, here we go. The municipal government of Mongolia's capital said it is buying 200 more school buses this year to reduce traffic congestion and ensure student safety. Traffic congestion has been one of the most pressing issues in the Mongolian capital for many years. Parents driving their children to school are said to be one of the major factors of the traffic congestion in the city. 
to cope with this problem. Ulaanbaatar, home to more than half of Mongolia's population of 3.2 million, launched a school bus service with 40 buses last year. Well, you know, this makes me think of Siesta Key, okay? We've got these free trolleys that go back and forth. There's two of them. They pass, you know, on Siesta Key, and they go all day, every day. And for nine months a year, you won't see one person on it except the driver. Wasting the time, wasting the money. You might see one person or two through the whole summer. They're empty. And then all of a sudden, during the season, you know, you got them filled up. Why don't they just have them out there during the season? Because it's supposed to take care of the traffic, and all they do is add to the traffic, and they're big and unwieldy. I I just don't understand Sarasota County. But if you come here during the off-season, please take one of those crummy trolleys just to say that they got some use, okay? Our tax dollars are being wasted on that otherwise. All right, Daniel 12 Technology from BI. The U.S. military and Elon Musk, you probably read about this in the paper, but it's so cool, I thought I'd read it anyway. They are planning a 7,500 mile per hour rocket that can deliver weapons anywhere in the world in an hour. Right now, if you want to fly weapons over to Afghanistan, you put them on one of our military aircraft, the C-5 or the C-130, whatever, and you fly it over and it takes them, well, here, here you go. The plans call for a rocket that can carry 80 Eight zero metric tons of cargo into space and land anywhere in the world in about an hour because they have the technology now to land a rocket instead of, you know, we used to just throw them away or they'd fall into the ocean. Now they land. Okay, so SpaceX will now assess the costs and technical challenges of the project. While initial tests are expected in 2021, a 7,652 mile journey from Florida to Afghanistan could be completed within about an hour with such a high-speed rocket, which could travel at 7,500 miles per hour. In comparison, a U.S. C-17 Globemaster, a military transport aircraft costing $218 million with a maximum speed of 590 miles per hour, would complete this journey in about 15 hours. Another aerospace company, Exploration Architecture Cooperation, will also be part of the research program. SpaceX, founded by Elon Musk in 2002, has already developed the Falcon 9, a reusable rocket designed to carry 22 metric tons of cargo and land vertically in a controlled descent. They're talking about 80 metric tons of whatever you want to put on there. If they need uh, turkeys for Thanksgiving, put them on there and fly them over. You know, obviously that'd be a waste of money because you could take them over earlier. But if you need something in the world right now, that is amazing. Mail online. U.S. Air Force is designing a laser weapon capable of clearing landmines. We're talking about landmines going off from fires? Yeah, and bombs from almost 1,000 feet away. Boom, boom. All right. Parsons Corp. won a $40 million contract to develop the recovery of air base denied by ordnance, or RADBO system. When completed, the laser-mounted vehicle will clear airfields for the U.S. Air Force. It will be able to detonate cluster bombs, landmines, and thick-cased artillery. So very cool. Did anybody see the big, um, what did they call it, the earthquake bomb that they found at the bottom of a uh, river? I think it was in Denmark this past week. Uh, these big 15,000-pound bombs that, that uh, England used to have, and they would take them and they drop them. They called the earthquake bomb because they would go down into the ground like a bunker buster, and then they would explode, and they would cause buildings to collapse because of the, the concussion. Well, they found one of them. In the, it missed the target. It landed in a river, and they found it, and so they went to um, de, uh, you know, de-arm it. Defuse. Okay, defuse it. Thank you. And what they do is they have remote things that burn into the fusing mechanism, and then it's defused, and you can pull it out. Well, it blew up, and boy, that thing made... Go type it into YouTube and watch that baby go. I mean, everything just is... The sea is... It's an earthquake bomb. Yeah, earthquake bomb. I think it was Denmark or Sweden or somewhere like that. I don't remember the country. It was the bomb that was fun. Forget the country. Anyway, it did blow up, and they had everything secured a long way away, but it was very cool to watch. Okay, Revelation Plagues today. I call this cover-up. Okay, we got our face masks. We're going to cover up. The Federalist says, CDC study finds overwhelming majority of people getting coronavirus wore masks. That's correct. CDC report shows that masks and face coverings are not effective in preventing the spread of COVID-19. Hidako's family called this morning at 4 o'clock, and we were already up, so it didn't matter, but they're 
just calling to make sure she's okay and having fun and all that. And uh, her sisters are 90 and 85 or something. They're ancient. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, well, I mean, compared to me. So anyway, um, uh, she uh, she said that they're all panicky because their COVID-19 is going through the roof in Okinawa again. And here's what I did. I said, let's go check. And I checked the daily tracking and it was way high in August. And then it goes down and it levels. So they are doing the same thing there that they're doing here. They're scaring people. Okay. And the Japanese are not going to question anything. They will not, but everything's okay in Okinawa. All right. So, um, uh, CDC report shows that masks and face coverings are not effective in preventing the spread of COVID-19, even for those people who consistently wear them. A study conducted in the U.S. in July found that when they compared 154 case patients who tested positive for COVID to a control group of 160 participants from the same healthcare facility who were symptomatic but tested negative, over 70% of the case patients were contaminated with the virus and fell ill despite always wearing a mask. In the 14 days before the illness onset, 71% of case patients and 74% of control participants reported always using cloth face coverings or other mask types when in public. In addition, over 14% of the case patients said they often wear a face covering and were still infected with the virus. The study also demonstrates that under 4% of the case patients became sick with the virus even though they never wore a mask or face covering. Despite over 70% of the case patient participants' efforts to follow CDC recommendations by committing to always wearing face coverings at gatherings with more or less than 10 people in a home, shopping, dining at restaurant, going to an office setting, salon, gym, bar, coffee shop, or church, religious gathering, or using public transportation, they still contracted the virus. Despite this new scientific information, the CDC, Anthony Fauci, and many other political authorities are still encouraging people to wear face masks. Seattle Times, drought depletes the Paraguay River, a country's lifeline. The Paraguay River has reached its lowest level in half a century after months of extreme drought in the region, exposing the vulnerability of landlocked Paraguay's economy. Some 85% of Paraguay's foreign trade is conducted via the river, 85% of their foreign trade, which has been depleted because of a lack of rainfall in the Pantanal area of Mato Grosso state in Brazil. The river flows from that area and also runs through Bolivia and Argentina. The fall in water level has slowed down cargo vessel traffic on the Paraguay River, causing significant cost overruns for the transport of fuel, fertilizer, food, and other imported goods. The crisis has also exposed the precariousness of Paraguay's access to drinking water. The government had announced the lifting of the strictest parts of its pandemic-related lockdown. But hopes of a resurgence of economic activity have been undermined by the river problem. What worries us the most is that the river is going down at a rate of three to four centimeters per day. The navigation situation is critical. In a week, no boat will be able to reach Asuncion, which is their capital. And while I'm reading this article, I've got Jim and Linda watching the earthquake bomb video. Yeah, they're over there watching that. And so... There you go. Tell us about these things. Uh, well, yeah, just make your little mark and say, I'll watch that later. You are, you are on double secret probation for that. Okay, from morality today. Okay, concerning morality, a couple weeks ago, I told you that, um, what's it called? Cream of wheat, one of my favorite things on the planet, is going to remove the guy that's always been there. You know, when I grew up, I never thought it's racial or I just he's the guy he's the hero he's my cook right okay so I said I will never buy it again after they get rid of that picture and I went to the store and in fact they did have him still so I bought one and I'll go back and buy more next week I just did this on the way to Bible class on Thursday so cream of wheat with my favorite old guy right there since 1893 it's delicious but my friend Ace after hearing that prophecy update emailed me and he said listen if you don't want to buy that because they've gone crazy, PC, he said, buy Farina. And I'd never heard of it. So I'm going to, when it gets cold, or I should say, if it gets cold, I will try both of them. And I will give you a recommendation if this will replace this. Okay. So I bought Farina and it's got, oh, see, that's not right. He's white. We can't have that. So anyway, you see how stupid this world is, but I did buy them. I will give you a recommendation if it gets cold this winter. If it doesn't, 
I'll probably commit suicide because I have to do all that out. Well, you know, I have to do all that outside work every day. And it, I just long for when it gets cold. I just long for it. But last year, it wasn't until after November. Well, cold. I mean, 70 degrees. If we can just get 70, that's cold. I put on my long johns when it's 70. Okay. Morality. Zero hedge. Elementary school kids taught that objectivity and perfectionism are racist traits of white supremacy. Yes, yeah, so if you're objective or if you're a perfectionist, you're a racist. And this is what they're teaching our children. Dismantling Racism Workbook is being taught to kids age 6 through 11 at Belvedere Elementary School in Virginia. The 15 characteristics of white supremacy include perfectionism, a sense of urgency, which I'd, I'd be the biggest race, racist on the planet because I'm always in a sense of urgency. I mean, I, I wake up and I got my whole day planned down to almost the minute, so I must be a giant racist. Anyway, individualism, you're a racist. And objectivity, racist. By discouraging positive concepts such as these by associating them with white supremacy, teachers are actually harming the chances of non-white children from progressing in school. In other words, far from being anti-racist, the teachings are actually racist. Others noted that such characteristics were not solely revered in white societies. So you're a racist by saying it because you're diminishing people that actually are this way in other societies. And that people from other cultures would be highly offended by hearing them described as white supremacy. I spent six years in Japan. I can tell you they are, uh, what is it, perfectionists. They have a sense of urgency. They have a sense of individualism to an extent. Uh, it's a little different over there. And they have less objectivity. I will say that. They're, they're very objective people, but not about many things, okay? They're, they're a kind of a, a uniform society. But uh, I was in Malaysia for three years, and I lived in a Chinese district. And I'm going to tell you what, they definitely are perfectionists on some things, not on all things. Uh, sense of urgency like you cannot believe. Individualism, quite much so, but they're also a good, strong collective of people. And then objectivity, I would give them a high rating in that as well, okay? So those are the two countries I actually spent a lot of time in, and I can say that. But by telling them that these are white supremacist doctrines, they are trying to bring everybody down to the lowest common denominator, right. not raise anybody. We right. see this in the projects, what the government has done to people for 14 years. I've been going down there on Saturdays. We got several other people in here that go with us. And I can tell you that all they want to do is bring everybody down to a level where they are up here. They are telling you how to live. And it'll be just any communist society in the world where you've got a few ruling the masses. All right. Christian Institute. NHS defends giving sex swap drugs to 10-year-olds. This is the National Health System in England. National Health System England's only gender identity clinic has defended prescribing hormone blockers to children as young as 10. Fenella Morris, QC, representing the Tavistock and Portman NHS Trust, told the High Court this week that several 10-year-olds had already received the drugs at their clinic. D-transitioner Kira Bell is taking action against the trust to make it illegal for children to be prescribed hormone treatments. Speaking on behalf of the trust in London, Morris claimed that some young children were able to decide to take the blockers, but admittedly conversations with them required imagination due to their potentially limited life experience. So they say, I want to do it after being coaxed is what that means. And that's exactly what it means. She told the judges that the nature of the assessment would vary from child to child, but would involve discussions about sex and how babies are made with 10 year olds. The QC admitted to the court that the full long-term impact of hormone blockers were not fully known. Morris claimed that all children that start on blockers, including those as young as 10, know that one of the possibilities is cross-sex hormones, the effects of which are irreversible, ruining the next generation one kid at a time. And we just had Biden, I posted on my Facebook wall a couple days ago, eight-year-olds, it's okay for them to choose their gender, okay? They now run the families. We got a very serious election coming up, a very serious election. I do not understand any Christian that calls himself a Christian who would be willing to not put forth a vote against what is coming. You, you might not like Trump. That's not the point. The point is that wickedness of the greatest degree, the highest degree, is coming if that man doesn't win. It's coming anyway, but, you know, we can stay at four more years and maybe get people realigned as a nation again. Our other category, from AP. Bank of England asked banks on readiness for negative rates. It hasn't worked anywhere else in Europe, so we're going to try it here. 
The BOE is signaling that the central bank is moving closer to cutting its key interest rate below zero. If the benchmark rate were cut to less than zero from the current 0.1%, you get a lot of money in that bank account, commercial banks would have to pay, <coughs> excuse me, the BOE to hold deposits for them. And of course, that's going to get transferred right down to the consumer as well. Policymakers have previously indicated that they were willing to consider negative interest rates amid the economic pressures caused by COVID-19 pandemic. A negative interest rate would encourage banks to lend money out rather than leave it at the BOE. A negative interest rate could theoretically result in savers being charged to hold deposits in their bank accounts. It's not theoretical, it will happen. But commercial considerations such as the need to attract deposits might prevent banks from passing on all their costs to customers. Those banks are not gonna bear that burden. It's the same thing that happens everywhere and it's going to be a disaster like it was everywhere. From Zero Hedge, this is something I'm sure everybody here has always wanted to know. At what temperature do Americans stop going out to restaurants, anybody? Yeah, what temperature? Yeah, outside temperature. And never, she says. Well, you're wrong. You're wrong. Listen to the article and find out. Okay, compared to temperatures above 70 degrees Fahrenheit, a daily average temperature below 40 degrees is associated with a 17.6% decline in seasonally adjusted restaurant reservations. Now, this is before COVID where you had to go indoors. Okay, so get the logic. To Goldman, this implies that the negative effect of cold weather on restaurant reservations is substantially stronger now under pandemic conditions than it was in the past, and suggests that the cutoff point where there is a sharp drop in outdoor dining is when the outside temperature drops below 45 degrees. People will no longer go to that restaurant because you only have outdoor dining in New York and they're going to go bankrupt, okay? They are forcing these people into poverty. That's, I just don't get it either, but there you go. So now you know the answer to that question that has always bothered you. Okay, Zero Hedge. Flint Councilman proposes shutting down gas stations, liquor stores at night to reduce crime. Yeah, that's gonna do it. After surging violent crime in Flint, Michigan in the first half of 2020, Flint City Councilman Maurice Davis has had enough with the chaos on the streets. He recently proposed a new ordinance to shutter businesses and their operations by 9 p.m. to help reduce crime. Davis believes forcing liquor stores, corner stores, and gas stations to close by 9 p.m. will help prevent the loitering outside of those establishments, which results sometimes in arguments and or shootings. If his ordinance is passed, Davis expects violent crime in the evening and night hours could slump, as there would be no need for some to leave their homes when gas stations, liquor stores, and corner stores are closed at night. He said it could give peace and comfort to some in the community who fear leaving their homes at night. So why would they leave their home at night if everything is closed? So the whole argument is invalid. We go to the projects and I can tell you that people, there are no stores around there. The one that is there is always closed by that time of day. And they have lots of murders down there. It doesn't stop because there's no bars to go to. They just kill each other in the streets. Well, you just close the gas stations permanently now. Yeah, just close everything permanently. That'll take care of it. Yeah, you buy it during the day, drink it at night, and go shoot your neighbor. I mean, it's just insane. The entire thing is just crazy. And I don't mean literally do that. I'm just saying that's the logic. Okay, Zero Hedge. Security paralyzed by fears of being called racist as shoplifting mobs bulldoze luxury New York stores. Yeah, far from a thing of the past, new reporting, not, not during the riots, new reporting in the New York Post finds looting has continued. Even now, becoming a weekly pattern, often with store owners loathe to report the theft for fear that they will be labeled as racist. So people are just coming in and taking stuff and they're not doing anything. But local shop owners and employees are still infuriated by the seeming carte blanche the thieves and looters have apparently been given by the culture of silence. Apparently, to stop a thief walking out with a $2,000 jacket can be chalked up to white privilege. And the major brands are apparently most fearful of such an instance going viral on Instagram. So they're letting them just do it. One unnamed local store says like Prada, Montclair, Dior, and Balenciaga were being hit every week, resulting in some hiring bouncers and other <coughs> mere deterrence measures meant to create enough of a security presence that thieves move on to another store. 
but it doesn't seem to be working as according to one store source if they stop them and say anything in the store before they've left the building then it often gets turned into a racial accusation the brands tell their employees to walk away they don't want to be the next instagram video claiming that they are a racist brand so there you go they're just letting people come in and take what they want so that they don't appear racist that's new york right new york city mail online New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post say they will not send reporters on the campaign trail with Trump this week, which was at the middle of the week, because they doubt he is well enough and fear they could be infected with coronavirus. Yeah. Hey, I bet he was as happy as he could be about that. Yes. But, you know, I, I try to watch a little bit of a Trump rally every night. And boy, he has no mercy on those fake news people. Yeah, yeah. No. If you want the right news to watch, go to YouTube and whenever the, va- the they come on all day long now, he's he's stumping two and three times a day. These rallies, he goes from one to another. Right side broadcasting. My mom told me about it recently. I'm telling you, go to right side broadcasting in YouTube and they show the rallies and they are very, very conservative. They love to call the fake news, the fake news. Right side broadcasting, help them out. Uh, no, I, 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 right side broadcast. I'm not going to confuse people. I'm going with right side broadcasting. Okay, they they are doing a great job. They've been at every single one of them. I know there are other, you know, right leaning people, but I like these guys, so I'm giving them a poke or whatever you call it. Plug. Thank you. A plug. Okay, poke him in the eye. Okay, zero hedge. ESPN to make sweeping layoffs and effort to save tens of millions in salaries. Doesn't break my heart at all. They've done it to themselves. Zero hedge. NBA Finals Game 6 saw ratings crash 66% despite being season finale. LeBron won his fourth championship, but there really wasn't anyone to see it. Okay, I've got a Lesserick here for you. We'll see if you can figure out what... I don't. I, this is Les or Kathy. I don't remember who sent this one. It's useless to wear a face mask, but Fauci insists it's our task. No one can declare from the germ it will spare... So why should we do it, I ask? Okay, got a couple of ironies here and we'll be done. Mail online. Florida security guard, 40, is caught impersonating a police officer when he pulls over a real cop. Yes. Okay, and the next one is really good. This, this guy, a bungling Belgian. Mail online. Bungling Belgian drug dealer hijacks helicopter hired in his own name to free his jailbird wife, only to find the prison is too small to land in. Uh, Got to know what you're doing before you do it, folks. Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your prophecy update for the week. Craziness.